this is Jeff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that even as a kid longed to live in midian my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're tight rolling our jeans and coiling the ends of our eastlands as we delve deeper into the mouth of march madness as we travel back 30 years to talk the horror classics from our 1990 bracket and you don't need to be mad to listen into our show simply search for nightmare junkhead wherever podcasts are played Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your dunkaroo hole. And if you've wanted to find us out on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, excuse me, at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face, where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans. But the only shenanigans you need to be worried about right now is the March Madness shenanigans. The end of the mouth of March Madness. I don't want to get snood by the ends. By the basketballs. That's why we say the shinning. The shinning. Indeed. No, in fact, it is on all all social media. You can find the Into the Mouth of March Madness bracket tournament where you're going to be showing who is going to win your tournament. Again, show your work. Yeah. You- send it in as we're doing here. But ultimately, it's sad because we said goodbye. Last week, we said goodbye to the 70s altogether. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're technically this week, we're saying goodbye to the 80s. Technically. Technically, as we will see here. But We're saying hello to the 90s. Yes, we are. Now, as this episode releases on March 9th, this is on a Monday, so that means it is the first round. And ultimately, if you go back to our selection episode, there were so many films to choose from. Oh, my goodness. For 1990. Oh, my goodness. So many categories that we could have done, man. It's a lot, a lot of what ifs. There are a lot of what ifs, but ultimately, I'm, I'm actually very happy. Me too. With what we have here. The eight films to talk in the year of 1990. This was a pleasant surprise. Even though there, I've seen all these movies before, the fact that like revisiting them, because it's some of these, it's been at least 20 years. There are a few of these that actually, I've got a few. I've seen that's Yeah. This year. And like you said, a oh, few. And, yeah. That have been through there. Now, in the first round here of Into the Mouth of March Madness, we do have two criteria we look at when it comes to see which films go into the round of the Scream 16. And again, like I said, we like to do the holistic thing here. So we're going to have a question relating to your heart and then one to your head. And the one that is to the heart is ultimately which of the two films are close are closer to your heart. Closer to the heart. Yeah, that was always going to be a rough one. I already felt we're late at night, folks, just to give you how the sausage is made. We're making it late at night. We're, we're marathoning it. Clap if you love Dynamo. And then secondly, we look at, we go from the heart to the head, and we look at the bracket topic and decide which one logically makes more sense with the bracket topic. And... Speaking of bracket topics, the first one that we're looking at here was definitely a combined effort. Uh, both of the films deal with monsters. Mm-hmm. Both of the films have monster ensembles, mm-hmm. and we happen to combine that for the first bracket topic. Monsemble. Sounds like something that William Castle would have made. The Monsemble. The Monsemble. You uh, would. The Monsemble might come out in the crowd. Or like Monsembles or Les Ombres et le Doux. 
I was waiting to see how you could work that in there. But 1990 gave us two phenomenal monster movies. Mm-hmm. Some of the, I would say, all-timers oh, for absolutely. the most part. Absolutely. Uh, and they not only gave us great monsters, but great casts as well. But they're PG-13 movies. That is what's wonderful. And it gives you kind of a idea of the diversity of the movies that we're looking at in the year of 1990. And I'll say this. I know the 90s gets a bad rap. But as we'll see throughout these years, there was so much good stuff in there, the nineties, nineteen ninety, especially. There's some some gold to be found in them hills. He got Charlotte. And let's go ahead and start with the first of our of our matchup here for Monsemble. We have Tremors mm-hmm. going up against Arachnophobia. <sighs> this is hard. This because both of these movies, well, Arachnophobia. I had some wonderful memories. Recency the, bias on that, definitely. Recently and back in the theater days. But Tremors. Let's start with Tremors. Let's go ahead. We're, you're gushing right now, my friend. I absolutely adore this movie. This movie, I can quote it. There's a lot of lines. I, But like some things like will stick with me. Like Sometimes you can't even get any penetration even with the elephant gun. So it's just like, <laughs> like, like hey, I found the ass end. You know, just some of those random quotes. And the, it's just filled with characters. Um, the pacing is wonderful. It, the practical monsters are wonderful. The cast is superb it, with a whole bunch of like, hey, it's that person. And hey, there's that person. And then like, it's bacon, right? So it's got fucking Remo Williams fighting monster sand- sandworms. Would you say perfection? Exactly. It, exactly. It really is. Pun aside, it is perfectly crafted, perfectly acted, perfectly paced. This is one of those films that I think you could show a normie and they wouldn't love it. Mm-hmm. You could show a hardcore horror hound and they would love it. Yeah. It works on so many different levels. I, you would be hard pressed to find somebody who has seen Tremors and doesn't like Tremors. Well, and the fact that you mentioned the practical effects, this is in the heyday yeah. of practical effects. These, the, the Graboids, as they are eventually referenced as, are some of your all-time great monsters. Mm-hmm. And something I don't think that gets enough love, and I really think it's lost in the pantheon of monster movies, or movies that monster movies that came out in the 80s and the 90s. Well, fuck, there's like six sequels now. It launched a franchise. And Michael Gross has been in all of them. He's, he's a welcome presence. Did you see the one where it's in the Old West? I did not. Oh, I liked that one a lot. I think it was Tremors 3. I've I've seen I've seen that with a lot of them. I, I've, oh, only I've seen, seen all one. of them. I've oh. seen every single Tremors movie. Uh, Frozen Hell, I think, is the new one. It's good. With snow graboids. I dug it. They built a whole mythology where like the different variations of graboids, where they are the originate, like... Like kind of how like there's yetis and skunk apes and all that different thing. There's different versions of graboids around the world, and it all started with this little fucking Kevin Bacon movie. It's insane. I love the fact that this is the second year, and in into the mouth of March Madness, we have a Kevin Bacon horror film mm-hmm. from Friday the Thirteenth to Tremors. He's been a mainstay in genre. Yeah, and the fact that he could have easily shown up in the two thousands. With Hollow Man. Yeah. We totally should have allowed that so we would have bacon in multiple rounds. Bacon. Yeah, have the year of the bacon 2020. <laughs> you mentioned the the cast of characters. It is just filled with your favorite character actors. Victor Wong, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, ultimately, one of the great uses of um, uh, a pogo stick. Yeah. Did I ever tell you, in rewatching Tremors recently really brought back a flood of memories, all wonderful, 
But I used to be terrorized when I would go. I uh, used to go up with my buddy named Chris out in Olathe, Kansas. He had his grandfolks lived out there. And I would visit him every now and again out there. And we rode along. We both had freestyle bikes. Mm-hmm. I had a Haro FST, very sp- particular. And he had a GT Performer. So we thought we were kind of hot shit riding around the l- little neighborhood in Olathe with our uh, freestyling bikes. Mm-hmm. We used to get terrorized. And I mean terrorized by this local punk in Olathe. And I call him a punk because he had like this foot-long green, this foot-long green mohawk, which you did not see in the suburbs, but especially in Olathe. But to add to the panic of it, not only did he have this crazy mohawk, he would just wear all these chains, he was very prolific on a pogo stick. It was a pogoing punk, He was a I pogo guess. punk? Yeah, and that's like, I just realized that. But it was such a, it was so weird because he would see us coming and he would start cursing us and he would start making these giant leaps oh my God, on dude. this pogo stick. And you're already terrified of street toughs. I can't even imagine this punk and pogo coming at you. I think that's where it truly came from now that I'm looking. But it was when I was watching Tremors with that pogo stick. And I'm like, Look, get it, you little punk. You're going to get it. All of a sudden, I'm rooting for the Graboids to get the kid because he was so annoying anyway. And it was that little girl, too. Oh, it was the little girl. Yeah, now I'm thinking I'm mixing it with the kid with the basketball. I want. Oh, see, that's just it. That's what Tremors does to you. That kid with the basketball, I wanted him to get it the whole time. I'm like, Come uh, just eat him, man. Just grab the grab boy his ass, man. Uh, but this is a film that inspires fun. This is a film you can throw on at any time in the theater. Okay, I remember seeing this movie in the theater. There was Indian Springs. Indian Springs. There was audible cheers when. Um, Reba McIntyre and Michael Gross kill uh-huh. that graboid. You, the audience went, yeah! It was awesome. It was such a good, good movie and a fun experience. This was like, it, it, like you said, it's a, it's one of the perfect horror movies. It's one of the most perfect creature feature movies of all time. And well, and going from a giant monster to something just on the total opposite end from the graboids to your common spider with arachnophobia. Oh, man, this seeing arachnophobia in in the theater. I saw it in the theater back in Indian Springs. And it was funny (laughs) because we were taking a cousin of ours who uh, was visiting from Mexico to see in the border. And we were like, oh, just go up to the counter and buy your ticket. The movie's called Arachnophobia. Right. And so first of all, that's hard enough to say. So she so she comes up, she goes, one ticket for Arachnophobia. Right. And the. (laughs) Like he behind the counter is like, I understand. I got you. Here you go. <laughs> you guys are mean. So mean. So, so mean. <laughs> so, and then just seeing it and then watching people jump, remembering people jump. But then, because that's what brought me to the Monday, uh, the Nerdoween we just did. Yes. Wow. Yep. The power of yes. that movie to this day. One of my favorite anecdotes is the fact that we had walkouts. Before the movie even played. Nope. They just got up and like, nope, we ain't doing it. That tells you just how terrifying what we tackled was. And it the, the experience watching it, hearing again people react, play, made it play so wonderfully. That couple? Oh, they were my favorite part of Nerdoween. <laughs> they made it so... They made everything so worth it. But ultimately, 
the the terror in this works because the spiders are real, except yeah. for the giant one, which is obviously a puppet. But the fact that they employed real spiders, that they had to have a spider wrangler on set to keep everything in tow. And it's so creepy. Because oh, it's the creepiest of crawlies. It, even if you're not afraid of spiders, it's just ugh, just the, the jump scares alone. Because a lot of them are jump scares, but they're natural jump yes, scares they because the spiders will get you. And then the scene... Ooh, the scene when Jeff uh, Bridges is trying to Daniels Daniels different d- definitely different movie yeah <laughs> when he's escaping and they're just coming down oh like, all of them all of them in like, the house and they're just yes. coming down on webs and he's got to head to the down oh so terrifying because we've all walked through spider webs and it's the worst you're like batting around like a like a weird cat it's terrible can you imagine when that the, that one bite can kill you. Well, then you ultimately get a giant spider, the mutated one, and he is a great little, char- a little character, mid-sized character for the most part, but also the ensemble in this film. Yeah. You mentioned it, Jeff Daniels. We got the great John Goodman. We got the actual warlock, Julian Sands. Absolutely we do. It's filled with uh, the guy from Total Recall that offers- Yes, it's the sweat. Remember we were watching it, and we were like, how do you know he's dead? And like, just a bead of sweat coming down. <laughs> The film is filled with those kind of people, and it's mirthful. I don't think there's any bloodshed. No. At all. No. There's deaths. There's, there's a there, lot of death. The the death um, when they're just exang- exsanguinated. Oh. When they show the actual dead body, and they're just like all, all puckered up. That's oh, horrible. That's, it's a good-looking good reveal. It is. It is. This film works wonderfully, but unfortunately, as much as we love both of these films... Only one can go into the round of the Scream 16. So the two criteria we're looking at, we're going to start with the heart. So Genius McGee, which of the two films, Tremors or Arachnophobia, closer to your heart? Dude, this is one of the hardest ones in the the tournament for me. Um, I love these movies both. Arachnophobia, I haven't seen that movie in 20 plus years until Monday Mystery Movie Night. Or uh, Nerdoween. Keep getting those wires crossed. (laughs) And it was such a wonderful revelation, but I gotta give it to Tremors. There's just like I found the ass end I seem to incorporate <laughs> into common vernacular. Um, same thing with penetration in the elephant gun. I mean, it, it's just everything uh, about that movie. It's just a perfect creature feature. So I gotta give it to Tremors. This is a tough one for me too because I actually did see both of these in the theater, and I've always had a healthy fear of spiders. In fact, I remember once as a senior, I woke up in the middle of a dream because I had this horrible nightmare that a spider was crawling across my chest. And of course, I wake up and what is happening? Spider crawling across my chest. I mean, it was just awful. Okay, hold on. I got to stop you right there. Uh-oh. So one time. Uh-oh. I went camping once. Wait, wait. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Of all the madness that happens in the month of March, you've gone camping? I've gone camping. Okay, no. Continue. Okay. Continue. So... It was my my friend invited me and my brother, and so we went there the camping, and we didn't bring an air mattress or anything. So I'm lying on the floor of this tent, okay, and it's maybe about four o'clock in the morning. My brother wakes up and he goes, "Don't move," and I go, "What?" And he goes, "Don't move," and I go, "Why?" And he goes, "You'll see," right? And he just bats off this enormous wolf spider. Right? This thing was enormous. It was huge. I mean, I don't know if it was a wolf spider or not. I'm just guessing because it looked like a wolf. Fucking, it was big, gray, hairy, Mm -hmm. eight legs. And it was just, it was like the size of this black part on the microphone 
just the body, not let alone the fingers, right? Or the legs. And I, and it just was going like this. Oh, that's right. What, now, what you're not me. seeing is Genius is doing the itsy, itsy bitsy, bitsy spider up my chest, oh. like really close. And I remember like feeling it, like like tickling my beard, right? And that's when he flipped it off, and I was like, "Grow!" And so I got up, and I'm <sighs> like, "Dad, get me the fuck out of here!" Because I don't fuck. I mean, I am not afraid of spiders. I got a healthy respect. In fact, I let all spiders live except brown recluses because I got a fucking hole in my leg because of a brown recluse. So yeah, no, but I. So continue. I'm sorry. That was just no, a, it was no. just a spider story that it, it triggers. It yeah, triggers. Yeah. Well, so. you know what? Because of that and the fact that I always say I go out to horror movies to be scared. Tremors doesn't scare me. It entertains me. Arachnophobia, it entertains me and scares me. It gives me more than nostalgic feel. So for me, I've got to go. Uh, arachnophobia is closer to the heart. Yes. Now, that being said, when it comes to the bracket topic, we are uh, looking at the monsemble. So genius, monster ensemble, monsemble, which of the two is better for you? As much as I love John Goodman, as much as I'm afraid of Julian Sands, <laughs> <laughs> right? Something about Kevin Bacon. Something about Remo Williams. Yeah. Something about Michael Gross from Family Ties, because his first thing post Family Ties, and he plays like a gun nut, and fucking Reba McIntyre and her penetrating elephant gun. I gotta go for a Monsemble. I gotta go with Tremors. And don't forget Egg Shan. No, I Old and... Chang. Call him Old Chang. Like every time I see him now, he's either Egg or Old Chang, because that's just his character names. And I, I hate to piggyback on what you're saying, but I'm gonna have to. Exa- that was my exact justification for this, knowing in advance. I have to go with that as well. And again, both of the ensembles are wonderful, but ultimately, like I said, I'm scared with arachnophobia, but I enjoy Tremors a little bit more, and I think it is because of that ensemble. And by a count of three votes to one. Looks like Tremors is going to be tunneling its way into the round of the Scream 16. So congratulations, Tremors. Under the web. Under the web. Which leads us to our next bracket topic. (laughs) The one that knocked out all your favorites. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) I I, I truly believe it is. It was one of mine. But damn it, we love alliteration. But more importantly, we love this man's films. (laughs) Hen and Lauder hoedown. The Hen and Lauder hoedown. We are featuring two Frank Henelotter films going head to head. <laughs> we have Basket Case 2 and Frankenhooker. <laughs> and one of these is, and I've seen that. Oh, yeah? Yes. In fact, yeah. Basket Case 2 was my first time viewing. It was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, let's Wonderfully weird. Let, let's, let's go into Basket Case 2. This is the best place to start. I found it wonderfully charming, actually. Mm-hmm. I found myself uh, winning, being won over by the sense of humanity and family. Um, ultimately, again, the the outsiders finding people a, a place of belonging. Like I identify with all that stuff, and then you add on top Gabriel Bartolis's wonderfully weird effects makeup, and the fact that I didn't realize I needed to see a Belial sex scene. Basket Case kind of <laughs> offered up a lot of things for me, my friend. It was a I know. Right. wonderfully weird first time viewing because right. you don't expect the first to one get down. no the first film the first film is so dirty it's so gnarly it looks so lived in that you need a shower afterwards but i love that they bring back your brother at the very beginning yeah they did well they they number one you go well how does this happen you know at the end they fall out they retcon they don't necessarily retcon they just say they didn't die mm-hmm. but Basket Case 2 is so much more, I'm not going to call it family friendly. No. 
but it's kind of a family it's film. A, it's a, a film of family. family. Yeah. But it was one that you was can't so show it on no, that's ABC Family, like right after the Harry Potter marathon. Ladies and gentlemen, basket case too. Well, I guess ultimately it just it plays so differently than the first one. Yeah, because the first one is so grimy. But for me, basket case two, it's not mean. No, it's not. There, are, it's in the kills. They're pretty, especially what happens to the main reporter when they're basically now you're a freak too. Right. The 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 the, the effects work is non is top notch. But like I said, there's. Such a, a feeling of family, and it's nice, and all these people coming together, and an us versus them, and it, I, it was Hen and Lauder's freaks. It, it, yes, it was. It really was. And like I said, it had heart, which I was not expecting mm-hmm. in a basket case film. And like I said, Gabriel Bartolis's effects work is so good. They are like They're, live action rat fink characters. They do well. You mentioned. You initially thought, especially going into Frankenhooker, but maybe some of the effects work was done by... Um, Screaming Mad George. Because it does have that surreal bent to it, and that's a total compliment. Um, uh, Bartolos was... We've talked about his work before. He he created the Elmer. So his DNA is all over this podcast, as is Henlotter. And what I we've we've been talking a lot here recently of Richard Stanley and how you can always tell a Richard, a Richard Stanley film... Is very distinct. You can definitely tell a Hen and Lauder film. You know when you're watching Hen and Lauder, there's, there's a, slime, there's goo, but there's heart. Yeah, there's a celebration. I think it's a celebration of the other. He a much, much like a Guillermo del Toro, a Rob Zombie, someone that loves the monsters. Well, exactly. In all of his movies, the monsters are somewhat sympathetic. For example, even Elmer. Yes. I mean, like, for example, he's just doing what he... The, it's his the nature. addiction. It's the addiction of the guy that's doing making all these things. So even the killers are the ones like... And in Frankenhooker, you know, he's bringing, trying to bring his love back. And so it's all these misunderstood creatures. And he definitely has an aesthetic and a love for bizarre, he, slimy creatures. It's in the caretaker, and I need to look her name because she she was terrifying when she was doing her speech. When she was like, "They call us the freaks. Let's show them what freaks we can be." I believe her name is Annie Ross. Yeah, and she was so good because she was so motherly and just wonderful to all these people. And even when she was giving them the battle cry, what you know, she goes, "Some of you are not down with violence, and And I respect that, and I respect that." But for those of you who are, we're going to fight. And there was some like, yeah, okay, I can see that. So she was fair and just because, yeah, for the everybody was fucking with all of us. And it was the reporter, too, like just just pester, 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 pester. I'm not saying she got her comeuppance, but in a horror movie, in a hen and lotter movie. Yes. She she got what she got it deserved. So, like, (laughs) yeah, it definitely it it it. It has its, you know who you should be rooting for ultimately. Mm-hmm. But there's some good scares in there when yeah. the photographer goes in and he's doing the, the little snapshots in to the see thing, where everyone is. Yes, that was a great little shot. That was that was genuinely scary. And I think one of the things I love most about this tournament is the fact that we do get to revisit some films that we're, we fondly remember. Some we revisit all the time. Some it's been a while. But then there are these for myself my first time viewing mm-hmm. and basket case two is definitely one of those that can say I've seen that because I knew enough of the film through trailers and just talking. So again, to see the connective tissue quite literally with a lot of the stuff that's going on in there three takes place right after it. It's still the same family and stuff, but it gets weirder. And if you can imagine this movie going weirder 
Yeah. That takes a lot to do. Baby Belial's. Baby Belial's? Oh, Baby so Belial's. there is consequences to the the Belial sex mm-hmm. going on in there. Yep. Actions have repercussions in Edward. Belial himself looking so much better because I, there was more money in yeah. the budget, oh, obviously. Absolutely. So more... I think you had like multiple Belials at this point mm-hmm. that could do. You had action Belial and you had like suction, close up Belial, jumping Belial, mouth moving, laughing Belial. You, I, I love the ones where they actually had, had the a person yes. in as Belial and yeah. with the, the, the lady Belial yeah. as well. Again, with the soft eyes. It was nice. It yeah. was really nice. The, but then the fact that ultimately what I love in the first film is the fact that it's really uh, Dwayne that's kind of the tragic hero in it because Belial is kind of the monster, possesses mm-hmm. him, the telepathic. But in here, technically, it's Belial has found peace. Yeah. Has found that. And it's Dwayne when he ultimately has that moment where. It's the Hugo thing. I practiced on this pigeon rat, you know. <laughs> It's like, oh no, oh no, it's not exactly what I thought it was. It just, we're all freaks, as yeah. they say, ultimately. And now, this was definitely a good first time viewing and one I'm glad I got got to got to witness. Now, uh, from, a, from a family, a movie about family to family friendly Hannah and Lauder. Exactly, which you would not expect in a movie called Frankenhooker. Mm hmm. And this is another one that I knew pretty well, for the most part, based on the trailer and just also on the fact that she is so good in this film. She's great. From her every little mannerism to the the face, the, and then just the, what a day? Yeah. Looking for some action? It's a hilarious character she it, yeah. it really is. It really is. Um, and like you said, ultimately, it's kind of the softer side of Lauder. This is one that you technically... You've watched with your mom, did you not? Mm-hmm. Did you not? How yeah. did that go? How did that go versus what you've seen with your mom, as it, it turns out? It went great. She was like, this movie is so funny. She thought this was, it was because it was just enough ridiculousness. And it wasn't like, it's violent, it's gory. It, and that's the whole thing with the Hannah Lauder. It's violent and it's gory, but it's never mean. Yeah. It's never mean spirited. This isn't a mean spirited movie. No, it's it's technically, as you said, it's a it's a film about longing and love mm-hmm. and you know, lost moments and what would you do to- and, and a good homage to like the forties Frankenstein yeah. movies. It really is. It yeah. really is. Uh it is uh, excuse me, it's uh Patty Mullen uh playing Elizabeth, who was the the titular Frankenhooker. But you get some really interesting payoffs in this film because, like I said, you know, Basket Case yep. 2 is so charming and Frankenhooker has its moment as well. But the ultimate payoff with the super crack and the fact the that we. Super crack. Exactly. The that, super crack. And not I'm just not, regular. Crack kills on the regular. Super but crack. Super crack makes your ass blow up. And I should say, not to necessarily make light of it, but I mean, in the early 90s, you did have the crack mm-hmm. epidemic. And Frank Henenlotter was someone that lived in New York. You know, his films feel like 42nd Street films because yeah. he filmed there so many ways. So I know that he firsthand saw the effects of drugs in the community. And again, what we love with horror is they can take something that's a very serious real world subject. Put it through a horror filter, yeah. and occasionally it could be something that is, you know, Academy Award worthy, and then occasionally it's into the mouth of March Madness exactly. worthy, <laughs> but still worthy. But still worthy. But ultimately, it's you know, how are we addressing addiction? How are we addressing trauma? And then when you put it through a filter like this, where everybody's getting chopped up in a in a uh, the lawnmower. Yep, like the first thing, a wedding. <laughs> Just getting obliterated, and then, oh, the um, the death comeuppance when all the body parts, all the like they, 
figurations, all the like with the aftermath of the shunting, and they all come in and just like fuck with people. That's terrifying. That would, was a scary shot. I would even say the ending as well. Yeah, which is just utterly ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it 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 plays off on a laugh ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And both of these films, I think you can find a lot of levity. And that's why I like Hen and Lauder. Yeah, is me too. You can't take these movies seriously. You shouldn't take these you movies seriously. No, no, you should enjoy these. I think the reason he makes them so kind of wacky is to avoid the NC-17 ratings. Because if you made them, like you said, a mean or put up through a mean filter. Yeah. It changes the complexity and tone of these films. Absolutely. Something where it's a good party film that you can enjoy and laugh at to something you'd be like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we should we be watching this be like nick cage in eight millimeter you know and then lauder's snuff film and lauder's machine forget about it oh no yeah <laughs> it, it would probably be like dun 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 well, as much fun as we had with both of these films, only one can make it into the next round. So between the two, uh, Basket Case 2 and Frankenhooker, Genius McGee, which one is closer to your heart? I saw Basket Case 2 first before I saw Frankenhooker. It came not necessarily way later in the game with Frankenhooker, but later in the game with Frankenhooker. But I had such a good time with that previously viewing of the... Of both, of both movies, but I got to give it to Frankenhooker. Okay. I think the stories is just a little bit more goofy, a little bit more fun, and I just have a blast with it. I got to give it to Frankenhooker because it's just what a date. It's just it's ridiculous, just so ridiculous. I mean, Basket Case Two is ridiculous too, but there's just more goofiness in Frankenhooker. And ultimately, again, I did see Frankenhooker before Basket Case 2, obviously, but I was aware of both of them early on, and I will even say, looking back at the VHS covers, I longed a little bit more for Frankenhooker initially, because again, in 1990, I would have been turning into a teenager at that point, and the loins lusted, and ultimately, Patty Mullen looked good, and then ultimately, when you see the movie, not only do you get, obviously, all of that, and then some, it's the in some that sticks with you. And that, for me, is the total pulling at the strings of nostalgia. And so, for me, also, I'm going to have to say Frankenhooker is closer to my heart. Now, that being said, from the heart to the head, let us go to, which was probably one of my favorite bracket topics we've had, but what is indeed a Hen and Lauder hoedown for you, Genius McGee? I think for a Hen and Lauder hoedown, I think we're both on the same page with one of the things, but I think, I think Frankenhooker is the more indicative of Hen and Lauder out of the two. It's more mirthful. It's more a little bit. It's way more gory. The body count is way higher, um, but it's just. I think it's more a Hen and Lauder showcase reel for me, especially with the like the monsters. So that's fair, and also it's in the title itself. Yeah, there is exactly. the hoedown. It's the hoedown. Now I, mean, <laughs> I was gonna go a little high on that one, but I'm gonna hit you low. Don't there worry. There you go. There you go. I'm going to have to say I'm going to go the opposite. Ultimately, for me, in my interpretation of a Hen and Lauder hoedown is to have a hoedown, you need multiple people. You need a bunch of people to have a party for the dancing to happen, for the hoedown to truly go down. And with Frankenhooker, it's more of an intimate piece, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. With Basket Case 2, it's easier to have a, a hoedown, especially yeah. a Hen and Lauder hoedown. And like you said, both of these films are 100% Hen and Lauder. 
But for a hen and lauder hoedown, for a throwdown, if I'm gonna throw something on that I think gives you essence of that, I'm gonna go ahead and go with basket case two. But you know what? It ultimately doesn't matter because I'm glad uh, Frankenhooker wants a date. Yep. Because she has a date into the round of the Scream 16 by a count of three to one. Cobbled together. Okay, that's that's the way the victories work, my friend. Well, speaking of cobbling, our next round we have here was inspired by multiple things. But ultimately, I wanted to make sure to give a shout out to uh, any of our Buffy the Vampire Slay- uh, Slayer fans out there. Because our next bracket topic is from Beneath You, It Devours. And we're looking at two films that in one way or the other, there is terror from b- beneath, from mm-hmm. the sewers below us, all the stuff that is unknown. And we've got two films that technically are from two literary masters, Yeah, ultimately. And that's what I love. We promote literacy here on the show, damn it. Exactly. Whether it's an audio book or whether you're doing it the old-fashioned way. We promote good learning. <laughs> that's wonderful. And the two films that we're looking at, one theatrical, one television... Controversy brewing, perhaps, but it doesn't matter because they're both phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We have Clive Barker's Nightbreed and Tommy Lee Wallace's It. It. Which one do we talk first, Genius McGee? Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Let's go to Midian, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's where the monsters live. Yeah. This is one of those lovely pro-monster movies. Mm-hmm. I saw this in the theater, but I didn't get it in the theater. That's fair. You I know, think with I... anything with Clive Barker at a young age, it's kind of tough to figure it out. It looked cool, you know? I mean, some of the scenes I remember, but I also remember being like, I'm lost. I What's going <laughs> on? Because I was just like, I don't know. It just never like, it, it got me. I dug it. But it wasn't until later where I was like, this, this is really cool. And it wasn't until this last one where I'm like, this is a goddamn masterpiece. You know? It was just like... It was always in the peripheries, in the back burners, and then I hear a lot of the love for mm-hmm. the Nightbreed, and I've seen it, but it was just like, and I'm wondering why has my mind slept on this movie for so long, you know? Because I know a bit Midian, and I know about all that stuff, and I know that, but but watching it this time, and it wasn't even like the Cabal Cut or anything right, like right. that, but I was just like so engaged, so enthralled, so like almost like brought to tears and the I was like my eyes were welling up. I was like, these poor monsters yeah. you know, just like oh man, everything just hit and like and I, I didn't realize that was Doug Bradley. Y'all come back now, yeah. All right. A, it's um, incredible. And then Cronenberg. Oh terrifying absolutely terrifying i didn't realize he killed the entire family the kid included just because he could that scene when he looks up and he sees the kid oh that shook me to my core man i was like god damn this is one of those films that always stuck with me as well and is because of moments like that when you realize i don't know if maybe early on i realized that the monsters were the good guys in the film but it's like i said when you get older and you can appreciate things a little bit more. The this, this scenery where they show like the subjugation of all the monsters and putting them in like the Iron Maiden and that like apocalyptic scenery and imagery. There's so many things in this film that, I, whether it's through the Cabal Cut or not, I, I really adore this movie. And it's yeah. because of the care and the creatures. Like yeah, the, the, absolutely. The, the, the effect works in here is unbelievable. Some of the, like, um, um, Doug Bradley's character, the guy that cuts his face off. Right, and then puts it back on. Oh, that whole thing. Just always, as a kid, that messed me up. So many things I love with this film. Um, The fact that it becomes more of an action-y kind of film at the very end, even though they break out the berserkers. 
which is the berserkers were dope as shit mean old bastards uh-huh. the, that boon is the savior that there's this whole mythology that's weaved in there that if you just want to view it as a monster movie you can mm-hmm. if you want to use view it as an allegory for discrimination and racism you can yeah if you want to view it as wow is that porcupine monster girl kind of making my nether regions move you can you can <laughs> you know you can it's clive barker uh-huh he, that's what he's probably went for i guarantee you that mm-hmm. but like i said it's very rare to see a film where the monsters are truly the good and they give you complex monsters as well yeah you get some to live are, with them some want to fight some don't they would this one would actually pair well with basket, basket case, case too, too as it yeah had we done things differently, we probably could have found a way to get Exorcist 3 in here. Right, but come on, Henlotter Hoedown. The Henlotter Hoedown was worth it. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm trying to think of just anything else on, you know, the most... The fact that there is the Cabal cut, that there are multiple interpretations and ways that you can watch this film, that it does come from the Books of Blood. Uh, the music is grand. Oh, it's so ridiculously good. It's also the got one Danny of, Elfman score with it? It's got one of my favorite all-time trailers as well. When you see the, the Nightbreed thing goes across, and you get that one shot of what's his bucket? I think it's his name is Cabal, and that elongated ah, jaw. Yeah. Oh, so all good. the monsters, the little side characters, the, every every little like the creatures in Midian. Yes. L- everything looked cool. Everything looked cool. A little. I'm not going to say poorly paced. I think there could be some trims ultimately on that one, but it's this is a one that I always welcome and revisit. Technically, also a Canadian film. Yeah, which is even better. Yeah, even better. I'm glad I, I I'm glad over the years I got to revisit, especially for this one because this one was so wonderful. Well, again, the viewing was just it's aces. wonderful to view movies. The older you get, the more experience you accrue yeah. because again, you're. I saw a lot more into this movie than like I would have when I first saw it, and I and when I saw it last time. I mean, like so much more. Like I related way more to a lot of the characters. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, there's a there's a reason we do this tournament and set it up the particular way. Now we're switching this again. Again, staying underground. Not necessarily in median in this case. Uh, we're going to float. We all float down here. To say Tim Curry is iconic as Pennywise the Clown. That's an understatement, dude. It's an insult. You know what? Honestly, to say Tim Curry is just... Uh, yeah. He just, he, it's, yeah. It's a power phrase, yeah. Tim Curry. It just... The fact that we were blessed with this. The fact that we got a chance for him to work with Tommy Lee Wallace. little TLW in there. This is a film, ultimately, that I know for a lot of people it's more near and dear than the newer one. And I'm glad that hopefully people reversed engineered yeah. to this original one. But I'm always curious to hear people's reaction because both are definitely different, different formats, but it's telling the same story. So Genius, revisiting it, how was it? How was it? I fucking love this movie. Um, revisiting it, <laughs> revisiting it. Here's the thing: revisiting it, I'm I'm almost opposite of Nightbreed. I'm like looking at other things, and I'm also bringing in stuff like, okay, the remake did this one a little bit better. Okay, but I could see this one too. But Pennywise, I mean, I remember, I remember ABC Thursday and Friday night, so- seven o'clock. I watched that. Young little genius in no, front of the TV. No, it, it was Wednesday and Friday because there was a day in the middle and I'm like, curses, right? <laughs> and just the whole imagery. I, Some of the, the scene where he comes out of the bathtub, the scene where he's digging the graves, all that, the burnt skeleton of one of the kids. Mm-hmm. 
everything just like seared into my and it was a pleasant sear I wanted Pennywise to win, you know, because it's Tim Curry and he was so like charming and effervescent and just that whole like, oh, come on, Georgie, right? Just everything about him. <clears throat> Always forget so you do a decent wonderful. one. It freaks me out. <laughs> I, yeah, this movie is so wonderful to me. But like I said, I'm, I'm it's hard to see it now. Listen. The best part for me for revisiting this is the the cast, specifically John Ritter. Yeah. Anytime we get to go back and view a film with him, I just feel blessed because Harry Anderson. Harry, God, I know. It's, uh, more of our heroes passing, yeah. and then even going to the kids. The fact that you've got a really super young Seth Green yeah. showing up there, Jonathan Bradley, Jonathan Bradley, which also R.I.P., yeah. which is unreal. I think the fact that they kept pretty true to the book for the most part, and at least keeping Except in the, the time kid frame. Diddling. Well, yeah. oh, oh, and that—that's another thing that is so problematic, and that's that—it's that black cloud that's always hovering, whether it's dairy, regardless. But with this, it's just you know, anytime you talk about it, yeah, and you're talking about the source material. How do you include that? Do you include that? Mm-hmm. Do you throw out an Easter egg? Unfortunately, somehow, like is someone watching some god awful, you know, porno in the background? Thankfully, they don't do that. We do not diddle kids in this hit. Not, not, not in this hit. But then ultimately, even looking at the the stop motion work at the very end with the giant spider or whatever. We whatever were, it is, yeah. I, I found it more a little bit more charming this time. Mm-hmm. But the way they were able to interweave the adult story and the kids story, I think because it was a miniseries, it was set up that way versus separating everything into two movies, I think worked a little bit better. Now, granted, it's long, obviously. Yeah. But it's a different format. It's worth the ride. It, it, it is. It's worth the ride. It is. Better than Bill's bike. Yeah. Um, his ponytail in this... Is it a ponytail? Is it a rat tail? I couldn't it's tell. A, is it in between? It's a, pony, it's a Shetland ponytail. I just wanted to cut it off. I'll be honest. I just like, snip. <laughs> Let's get some scissors. You know, just like, kiss me, fat boy. You know, just... Yeah, his he does the one of the bits when he is in the library and he's in the <laughs> background. <laughs> that and one. There's a point when he looks at the camera and he turns away, looks at the camera and he turns away. And all the while, it's manic, it's hysterical. But man, when he turns on the mean mm-hmm. and the vicious, and you see the true Pennywise, yeah, he's channeling something evil. It's <laughs> so ridiculously good to get. Scarguard is wonderful, but man, Tim Curry in that, yeah. He's on the the Mount Rushmore of horror uh, icons. Of evil clowns. He gave people so many nightmares. He cemented people. He is probably the reason why people are afraid of clowns. Yeah. In, in popular culture. Absolutely. And why some people probably find devils sexy. Yeah. It, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But from uh, as from beneath, you know, we're looking at these things. Only one can make it into the next round of the Scream 16. So of the two... Nightbreed and it, Genius McGee, which is closer to your heart? I have to go it. I have to go it. As much as I love Nightbreed now more than ever, it is so ingrained in my DNA. I mean, not even just because I can do a Tim Curry, but just like the imagery. And you know my thing with clowns. So, like, this is very true. <laughs> like, it has to be it. it it's it, this movie. It's wonderful. It, like you said, it's on the Mount Rushmore. As much as I would love to go to Midian and love to hang out, I have to go to go with that. That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to go with Nightbreed. 
And the reason I'm going to go with Nightbreed is it was a film that I actually caught quite a bit, and I don't know if it was a USA Up all night, if it was a video store rental, but a lot of Friday nights uh, when I was in middle school, transitioning into high school, I would go and hang out on uh, Friday nights, usually at my buddy Steve's house, and we'd rent movies and all. And I remember seeing Nightbreed so many times over there, and like I said, that gives it that kind of warm blanket embrace, because he was a his folks would occasionally like come upstairs and see the movies we're watching. And there's like, what is, what is that? You know, what are you? And for that in itself, it still brings back wonderful memories like that. It plays wonderfully, but man, Nightbreed because of the Friday night rotation. Yeah. It's got to stick with me. So I'm going to go with Nightbreed on that. Now, that being said of the two, which one will devour you more from, from beneath you, it devours. So mm-hmm. interpret it as you may Nightbreed or it for you there. Genius. It, because Nightbreed, they want to be left alone. You know, if by chance you step onto their land, they'll scare you off because you cannot eat meat. That's true. Okay. That's true. In Midian, you cannot eat meat. If you come even close to Pennywise, he will fuck you up. And you know what? I'll go to Midian. I will not go to the sewers. And so. That's. That's yeah. showing your work, my if friend. I'm so, yeah, if, if from below, yes, definitely from below it devours. No, because that's what happens when I step over grates. Chuds or clown, evil it's or like something is going to come up. It's going to, from below, it will devour me. So it for me on that one. I'm also going to go with it. And ultimately, one of the things that I love about it is that it seems to be Lovecraftian, potentially from above otherworldly uh, total otherworldly and that's what i don't think king gets enough credit on is bringing that weird main lovecraft feeling to his films and truly it is something that does devour you ultimately man again you're getting in my justifications here because i was going to talk about the law in midian and that you can't eat meat and there's even that point where he's like fuck the law right i want meat so there's the laws that exist that govern Pennywise has no laws. No laws. No rules. Beyond the ritual of the chewed, for the most part, which is probably why you don't step on Another anyway, reason why. Yeah. <laughs> Chudes, chuds, fucking whatever. So it looks like by a count of three to one, it looks like it is devouring Nightbreed from below and advancing into the round of it, the Scream 16. It floats. It all floats down here. Floats right into the next round, which leads us to our last bracket matchup and one that... I think was pretty revelatory for both of us yes, just regarding absolutely. the movies and it's no uh, secret. We both love monster movies and we both get freaked out when things can skitter and scatter. So mm-hmm. the smaller they are, the better. So we've got our last matchup here. The bracket is little monsters two. It's very important here. This is sequelized the sequel. And we have two films from 1990 that exemplify this so well. And two of them that ultimately are, kind of show off the wonder of practical effects yeah, in 1990 absolutely and also showing how you can like you know really parlay the limitations as well we've got child's play 2 going up against gremlins 2 the new batch mm-hmm. which one do we start out with genius? child's play 2 man child's play 2 i want to talk about child's play 2 we both recently rewatched this and as we were talking off mic i was like hey man what'd you think of child's play 2 and it was both... so much better than I remembered it. It was so much better. It was scary. <laughs> it was scary. It was funny. It had beef. It had like, <laughs> <laughs> we won't eat meat. It had, <laughs> it was, 
there was some genuinely terrifying moments in that movie. It was so good to see that movie again because like maybe because I've been burnt by like C to Chucky, you know, some of the more recent offerings, but I Colton Chuck, I stand by those and I stand by the remake, but like, like bride and like seed. Okay. That was more heavy, constantly rotation. You really didn't see one and two. You'd see three. Sure. But, and the other ones, but one and two, one and two, I remember fondly, but I forgot how good, good and scary this is it, that just did uh, we we think of chucky ultimately kind of went through the freddy metamorphosis mm-hmm. when he started scary but then became a, became a pun maker like a clown very yeah. much so not it clown but part two chucky is still scary scarier he's menacing scarier there are moments and i credit to kevin yeager and all them where and we mentioned it before when he's in the classroom and he's just marching walking with that ruler about to fuck that teacher up that's a frightening shot because yeah. he looks. That looks like that is a killer doll uh-huh. coming to mess you up. And the fact that he's going after Sparkle Motion herself, <laughs> grand, grand. The fact that we get Garrett Graham in this beef, beef makes everything better. When it, I was, because <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since it came out, right? And so when I'm watching the thing and I'm scrolling and it's like Garrett Graham, like holy oh! shit, it's beef! I almost texted you. I'm like shit, beef is in this movie. So like anytime you got beef in it, I almost text you when Jenny Ugator shows up. <laughs> right? Are you kidding Come me? Come on now, man. That's what I really like about this entry is you get the good genre character actors, yeah. you get great effects work, and then freaking Brad Dourif in this. So good, so menacing and scary. His he, voice work in this movie was terrifying. He's so he's so the, good. The Chucky yell. The ah! Chucky yell. The Chucky yell is one of the greatest things on the planet. And when that comes into play, oh, it's so good. But then the other thing that I was really shocked by is the relationship between Alex and his stepsister. Yeah, it's it. It, it started off rocky, Ro- rocky, but, but then but the end. She's the only one that's like, yeah, no, you're 100% right. This is some bullshit. Well, you, it carries on the, the story of little Alex. He's now in foster care. And man, you want to, and that's what I love with the film is the through line with Don Mancini writing all of them and eventually directing is he's been able to take care and craft of those characters. Yeah. And as Alex disappeared for a while, he was brought back, spoiler alert, in some of the later ones. And Chucky fucked that orphanage up. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he fucked that orphanage up. The kills that stand out for me in this one, because this is, again, we're transitioned from 80s to the 90s, but for me, it's the eye trauma. Oh, it's yeah. It's the, the full chi the that full happened. The full chi, yeah. And they're at the toy, the toy shop. I was sad when Beef got it, and the mom did not deserve that at all. That was, that was mean, Chucky. That was mean. That was mean. The line, though, as he takes out, uh, get, what's a, how's it hanging, Phil? So, Brad died. Yeah. It, he doesn't get enough credit. No, as a character Absolutely actor, not. voice actor, um, we they did the um, Halloween three script reading at Panic Fest, and we were trying to have everyone channel Brad Dourif in one of the sheriff characters. And I, I'm trying to remember who did it. It's pretty damn good. Nice. But Dourif has that that drawl to him. Yeah. But it just adds the sinister element to Chucky. Adds to the funny of Chucky. Uh, again, I this was. This was a nice rewatch. It was yeah. a nice surprise, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. It, it was really an was. absolutely nice surprise. Well, the surprise on the other film, and if you know the show, it's not a surprise, but Gremlins 2, the new batch, it's not a surprise. Genius, this is... I fucking love Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2, I will it's... go on record to say that it is one of the few cases where the sequel is superb. 
superior than the first one. Now, for some, that might be a hot take. And I will actually say, I think Gremlins is a better Christmas horror movie. But Gremlins 2, I will also say, if you want something that is pure, unadulterated Dante, if you want an injection of just pure, uncut Dante, Gremlins 2 is your jam. It opens up... As a cartoon, the it's, first thing you see is the cartoon Warner Brothers logo with Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are fighting. He, he's telling you this is a cartoon world. Yeah. Do not take this seriously. No. If you bring in the Gremlins logic of the rules, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. They call out, this movie is so much fun. They call out their own rules. It's, they, they call out their all the past movie like with one of the most my, my the funniest like one of the scenes that I didn't get younger but I totally got later on was when Phoebe Cates is like saying it's like oh man what is like getting ready for President's Day don't mention oh. President's Day it was terrible and then and she goes there's this man in the park with sure, an Abe Lincoln hat and a trench coat and it, it was awful and I just lost it I lost it I was like oh Poor Phoebe! What happened to you? Who hurt you, Phoebe? Why every... She's got a horror story for every Every holiday. holiday. Like, one time on Easter, my cousin was dressed up like the Easter Bunny in Grover's Bend. She she can't be around trees on Arbor Day. One time on Arbor Day, my friend... And my friend and her boyfriend Ash went camping, and like <laughs> it's kind of like the Futterman's curse, where like but, all the like, but the Futtermans themselves are okay in this. They're film. okay. It's, they're okay. And like in, in fact, fucking Futterman takes out takes, takes out one of my favorite fucking Gremlins and my favorite scenes in all cinema actually, when like the Gremlins the Gremlin takes drinks the bat juice. Turns into a bat and flies out the wi- out out of Christopher yep. Lee's window and makes the bat signal. So fucking good. Oh. And meanwhile, the twins from uh fucking Terminator, Terminator 2, Two are hanging out in the background with pods and dancing. How wonderful is that? That that's an epic scene. I think if you if you can't have fun with this movie, you're I'm doing not, it wrong. I'm not saying we can't be friends. Hulk but... Hogan's in the goddamn movie with Paul Bartel. I'm surprised like Mary Warnoff <laughs> wasn't buying like popcorn concession stands. You know, it's got Dick Butkus in it. Like he's over there on hamburger. He's. <laughs> it's got fucking two of the gremlins. <laughs> two of the gremlins are named after George and Letty from Mice and Men. I had. Every single, I had a whole set of the Gremlins 2 trading cards that basically had all the characters and then the story and shit. I had Gremlins 2, like, like, add little figurines. I was, I loved Gremlins 2 and I still fucking love this to this day. It's a goddamn cartoon. Chris Wallace did the original effects works in the first Gremlins and it's phenomenal. It's so good. Rick Baker <laughs> got to design the gremlins in this, which is why everyone is so distinctly different. It has yeah. its personality. Yeah. You talk about the the bat and the little clay mo- stop motion work on that. When the one turns into a spider. Oh, that's super cool. And it's Slayer's Angel of Death is playing behind it, which to me puts this film so far ahead. When you got one of the big four in your movie playing behind it and it works perfectly for the scene yeah you've done so well he's the big boss for um gizmo and rambo in the video game oh that's right yeah and marla the one the the one the redhead yeah i remember back in the no not a deal breaker voice and all i mean like we can go out and have smokes together it's great no but she's actually corbin dallas's mom in fifth element oh my god that totally is with that voice Uh uh-huh 
Corbin, wow. you never called your mother. Or let's have chocolate mousse. There's this few Canadian fusion restaurant. And sure enough, a fucking Mountie brings a big chocolate mousse. I mean, it was just like, just pun <sighs> central. Um, Everything in that movie fucking worked. And like, you know what? I was reading something about it. They were talking about how like Gremlins 2 kind of predicted the future because with, like with the TV channels, because they have the cooking channel yes, they did. and they do have a cooking channel now, the all horror channel, and they have multiple ones of that. There's like all the different ones. That's kind of cool. Gremlins 2 did it first. Gremlins 2 is responsible for so much goodness. John Glover in this film is Clamp. So good. He's so good. He takes what should be the bad guy. And makes him somewhat sympathetic. You're right? actually kind of rooting for him when he, when the secretary is like, <laughs> like yeah, eating a sandwich, and the gremlin puts the mouse trap, and you just hear, ah! and then, <laughs> right? He, everybody gets to take out some gremlins in this, and there's even a callback to the flasher, the gremlin. flasher gremlin. So good, going the- down in the elevator. When they when they trap the little electric gremlin with the muzak, yeah, do do do. Uh, ah! It's Tony Randall as the brain gremlin. So good, so good, very classy. We just want Susan Sontag. Like I love one of a lot. One of the lines I say for all the time from Gremlins shoe is like, "Well, I've been advising everybody to put all their money in canned foods and shotguns." That I tell that to all. Like, well, what do you think? I say, just put all your money in canned food and shotguns, and so. <laughs> When you find you can insert weird lines in everyday conversation, be it tremors or this, you're doing something right. Yeah. You're totally doing something right. And speaking of doing something right, this is going to be tough because only one of these little monsters, two, can move on to the next round. So between the two, Child's Play 2 and Gremlins 2, Genius McGee, boy, this is going to be a tough one. I'm giving you like guess. I'm giving you that look like guess. You're giving me this look like really, dude? Really? (laughs) Which one is closer to your heart? Um, <laughs> the fog. No, <laughs> do Gremlins too, man. Yeah. Gremlins too. I mean, all the way, one hundred percent. I like Child's Play too. I like Gremlins too, but there's something with the mischief that just appeals to the child in me. And if you're gonna go nostalgia and something closer to the heart, you can't go wrong anymore. Wrong. You can't go wrong than a bunch of Gremlins performing a Broadway tune. And putting up the little signs. Start spreading the news. Ridiculously Robert good. Ricardo be getting diddled by a gremlin. <laughs> Dante regulars, baby. Oh, God damn it. Love him, love him. Well, the bracket topic then, again, going from the, the heart to the head, Little Monsters to which one genius is about Little Monsters? <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. When you're talking about Little Monsters in general in, in horror cinema, you're probably going to be bringing up Child's Play. Chucky is a quintessential. He's on the Mount Rushmore of horror. But for this category, Little Monsters, man, the Gremlins have that in spades, man. They're just doing all these shenanigans. They're not only having fun, they're fucking taking out people, too. Like, Buckus gets choked to death, right? (laughs) Fucking, like, like, people are dying left and right in this movie. And like, yeah, so for Little Monsters, I got to go Gremlins too. And I'm just going to go literal here. A doll versus a gremlin or a mogwai. One is plastic, one is real. And And they had mogwai dolls. That's right. So I got to go Gremlins as well. And man, again, Child's Play 2. Super wonderful. Super good. So glad I revisited it. Recommend that movie highly. But it ain't no Gremlins 2. No, and making their way into the round of the Scream 16, we do indeed have Gremlins 2, which means then... 
For our next matchup here in the round of the Scream 16, we are going to have Tremors going up against Frankenhooker. Wow. Very interesting. That's okay. Horror comedies. And then we have, uh, uh, we've got It going up against Gremlins 2. You cannot get more polar opposite than those two movies. 1990 just got weird, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> can you imagine, like, can you imagine a little bit? We float, we are float. Oh, they can't float down there. If they float no, down there. we're fucked. We are fucked. Man. That'll come into play. So next, uh, here on Friday, we're going to have the rounds of the Scream 16 and the rounds of the Hateful Eight. And we have some wonderful guests lined up. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah. <laughs>